This is Tappy from Modern Life Podcast. You can reach us at modernlifepod at gmail.com. Follow us at Modern Life Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and also visit our website, modernlifepodcast.com. Today I'm talking to Kate from Kate Talks About Books on Instagram about my cousin Rachel. Quick summary, it was written by Daphne Demurrier. It's about Philip Ashley, who suspects his caretaker Ambrose to be murdered by his new wife, Rachel, in Italy. Being left as sole heir, Philip vows revenge on Rachel, but when she does come visit England, woman-hater Philip becomes enthralled, fascinated, and obsessed with his cousin Rachel. It's a brilliant book that sparked a few adaptations, and we're going to be going over them today in our third Demurrier podcast. I have written to you several times, but there is no one I can trust to take my letters to the mail. She is away from the house today. That's why I'm able to write this. For weeks I've been ill, fevers, terrible headaches, but she watches me like a hawk. Believe nothing but this. She'll ruin me. She'll ruin everything. Um, welcome back to Modern Life Podcast. This is Tabby, and I have a really special guest with me today. Hi, so I'm Kate. <laughs> so Kate lives in Hong Kong, which I find super exciting. How long have you been there? Um, so actually, I've been here for eight years now. Oh, that's a um, long time. Yeah. What do you do for work? So I've, been, I've been teaching in the secondary school. It just happened, really. I just graduated, um, went to uni in England, and then I just came over here to teach. And then I've just ended up staying here for a while. <laughs> Are there any um, language requirements or anything that you have to, or do you just have to speak English to be able to teach there? So English to be like so-called a native speaker. So a lot of, I mean, people, they, you know, they want to learn uh, better English or for the students as well to improve the English. So they want um, native speakers to come and teach. It's quite, well, it's been quite challenging. <laughs> Is it is it expensive to live there? It always sounds really expensive. Um, yeah, it depends which area in Hong Kong you live live in. I live quite locally, actually. So you have like the island side where most people prefer to live. Um, it's slightly more expensive. Yeah, there's benefits to um, being a native teacher as well that they help you a little bit oh. with uh, yeah, just allowances and things like that. So that's helped helped quite a lot, especially living alone and yeah. <laughs> can't believe I've been here for so long, actually. That's incredible. Do you, how often do you go back home? Once a year, like summertime, luckily. Oh, that's pretty good. Really long holidays. Oh, nice. (laughs) Summer holidays, you get, yeah, like Christmas, Easter, and then obviously it's um, Chinese New Year now. But switching gears a little bit, um, Kate, what's your modern thought? What have you got for us? So, so I was reading a news article. (laughs) Actually, it's quite funny. It's something called a pink frog mouth. I don't know if you've heard of it. Basically, the fish had legs. No, I don't it? know. I don't know it. There's a fish that has legs. So it's actually pretty hilarious because scientists kept using the phrase feet-looking extremities. That's attached to the fish. So basically modified fins. I just find it so funny because um, it's the type of anglerfish, actually. And then they were discovered on the seabed. And then it just got up and walked away. Oh my god! The scientist got too close. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's a, no. I wish I could attach a video because, like, I think I saw it on Facebook, and there's like a YouTube video, and it just like it actually has legs, proper legs, and it just gets up and 
you know, walks around. I'm going to have to Google this right after we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, you know, like the axolotl and then the blobfish. And I just find it so fascinating. You know, all the different types of um, sea creatures we don't even know about. Yes, we talked about this on another episode, how we didn't even know there was topography on the ocean until like the 50s or something like that that we just don't know anything about the ocean i feel like there's so much we don't it's just know so deep isn't it yeah yeah gosh but that's just that i mean it, it makes me laugh these i things. love that i love that just showing the students as well like all the like the you know the crazy sea creatures and they're fascinated obviously it's pretty fascinating nice. yeah you need to uh, check it out <laughs> That's very cool. Mine's mine's pretty a little bit similar, which is funny. So I've been reading a few articles about sand depletion and how nobody really cares about it and how it it's like a resource that we're losing. Did you even did you know about this? No, I did not know. No, me neither. So we use sand in things like um concrete and electronics and because a lot of um developing countries especially like china have had to build so many roads and use so much concrete and we can only use certain types of sand so yes there's a lot of sand in the desert but it lacks um, a certain moisture so we can't use it for construction so these um, riverbanks have become completely yeah just the communities around them are really affected and the them grabbing the sand out of there has really affected the wildlife and i was like well this is something I haven't heard about or yeah. you don't really hear about. So I just it's, thought that was interesting. And scary as well. I mean, everything's depleting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, even sand, even things you don't even <laughs> think about. <laughs> you don't even think about. Yeah. Gosh. But that's it. That's all we had. Oh. So we're going to be diving into the main topic. My cousin, <laughs> Rachel. This is our third Daphne du Maurier episode. I, I'm obsessed with her. So you, what's your history with this with this book? Well, I mean, I st- actually, which one? Did, I read Rebecca first, and then this is the second one, and it basically started my binge about reading her other books. Yeah, Rebecca was um, my first one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know why. Like you say, like what people's favorites are. I guess they say Rebecca, right? Yeah, they and like Rebecca's I've read favorite. four of hers, and my favorite is still Rebecca. And I'm like, does that make me basic? I'm sorry, <laughs> it's still Rebecca. No, I, Actually, no, Rebecca, like, okay, now I think about it, you know, like comparing both of them. I like them equally as much, but I think, like, the way it's written, I suppose, yeah, like, po- yeah, probably Rebecca, <laughs> actually. And then, and then my cousin Rachel, or joint first. And then, gosh, there's so many, though, actually. And they're all so different. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my cousin Rachel. I don't know, I keep comparing. If you ask, why is it, like, your favorite? You know, like Gone with the Wind and like Wuthering Heights. It just seems like all the main characters, like you don't like them. They're not likable. Right. <laughs> and I don't know what that means about the books that like my favorite classics. Hmm. But I was just thinking like the trend, like why do I like them so much? It's just they're quite complex and there's lots of like emotion and like emotional struggle they're going through. It doesn't mean the other books don't, but I think maybe it's like more apparent, like the, I don't know, the, like the battles they go through with each other or it's an interesting one. I think what I've think? seen, <laughs> yeah. um, what I've seen online, as to mm. why a lot of people don't, why this isn't their favorite, yeah. is because yeah. spending so much time in Philip's head is so 
it's such a toxic environment to live in for that long, which is the point of the book. And it's brilliant, but I can understand why people are like, oh my God, no, he's so dumb. And (laughs) that's the thing, because it's, yeah, it's all in his head. And even like, um, I think it's House on the Strand. There's the, the main character in that as well. And he's, he's on drugs. I mean, he, he's tripping. Oh, I haven't read that one, honestly. Well, the other, the, the other one that's like House on the Strand. Oh, the scapegoat is the main character in that. Oh, I just finished Uh, reading that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, another podcast worthy. Yeah. 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 I love that one a lot. It's just, yeah, the main characters, like you, you do like follow, yeah, follow their journey. So, you know, if you don't get along with them or you really hate them from the start, then that kind of like sets you up for the rest of the book. Which with Philip, I don't, we're not supposed to, and you said this, but we're not supposed mm-hmm. to like him or feel for him or I, I think I was about. <laughs> do you know what though? I'm like, this. we say that, but actually, is it bad if I say I do like sympathize with him? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is like, oh my goodness. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> um, I think, no, like halfway through, I think the beginning part I actually did, um, I don't know, like maybe when I read it, like what I was going through, not saying I, I was going through exactly the same stuff. Okay. If you, you, I mean, you've read it. So you, do you remember the beginning? <laughs> yes. Like not giving too much detail. So yeah, I was going through something similar <laughs> to that. So at that time, I just, you know, imagine from his point of view, how, you know, like Rachel coming on the scene and how, you know, hundred percent, like, I guess at the beginning, he's justified to be suspicious because he, um, he mm-hmm. sees a change in the person closest to him, right? Like, his, his, they're really close. Like, actually, the first chapter sets up their, you know, the history together and how they kind of rely on each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly Rachel comes along and then, you know, like, he sees changes in him, but he doesn't quite know, like, what's happened. And, it, and it's, like, too late when he does find out and, you know, bad things have already happened. And then she... Um, it's quite intense, actually, the first chapter. <laughs> I don't know. How, what do you think about um, the beginning? Like, whether you kind of trust his narrative or, like, just follow his journey at the start? Yeah, at the beginning, I think everyone is with Philip. Like, get this woman. Yeah. She's evil. <laughs> you don't, at this point, doubt anything that Ambrose would have mm-hmm. written. But mm-hmm. I think about um, three quarters yeah. of the way through the book, yeah. I realized that the central mystery mm. of did Rachel do it, did she not do it, is actually completely irrelevant. Because I felt yeah. like she, Daphne de Mario was just using this novel yeah. to examine misogyny and the toxic environments that that creates yeah. for women and that it, it, it's completely inconsequential what they, what they do because Philip's, Philip's already been raised to be somebody who, does, who hates women. Like, I can understand why people say this is her most feminist novel. She doesn't, she leaves it open at the end because I feel like that's not even, that's not the point that she was trying to make. And I have, because it's yeah, no conclusion you can draw from it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my, my copy of um, my cousin Rachel, it has a forward by sally Uh, bowman in it and she says something really interesting here where she goes the damage inflicted here is not confined to one woman it extends to an entire sex and poisons a society and at a 
thematic level, Demorio examines male administered poisons that are equally mm. deadly and whose victims are more numerous. Yet this, the central mirroring device of the novel, has scarcely been noticed, let alone examined. And I would have to agree with her on that because I mm. watched the original black and white, my mm. cousin Rachel. Yes, yeah, I haven't seen that. And so you're the expert. <laughs> well, the it was a it was a well done movie, but the yeah. the whole undertones of why Philip is the way he is, and yeah. the whole misogyny of it was yeah. completely left yeah. out. And then to me, it just yeah. becomes about did Rachel? It becomes like a mystery, and I'm like, well, that to me takes away the whole point of the movie. Even though it was it was a good yeah. movie, it was well done. To me, that was the central message the book was trying to convey. Mm. and I actually thought the new one with Rachel Weisz did mm. a much better job at that and then obviously you've got the book versus the movie right <laughs> yeah like what do you think do you do you think like the, the movie did it justice like the newest movie the newest movie I was with it I have so many notes about it I was with it like all the way until the end when they had Philip <laughs> right. Mary Louise and I'm like yeah, she, I, she's yeah. the only reliable narrator in the story and she figures out in that last moment that he basically sent her to her death. Like, he killed her. And the point of the story was, like, Rachel was this one person in his life. He's always going to be alone because he hates women. And Louise isn't going to be with him because she's, she's too smart. Like, she wisened up. Yeah, like, it's over. <laughs> well, and then, and then, that happened in the movie. <laughs> but it's like the tying loose ends, like, making things happy, like, happy endings in movies, right? So it does like change like the essence of it and changes the book. No, I think that's what bothered me about it. You just summed it up perfectly because I don't mind minor changes in yeah. in movies I mean, usually at all. Is but that if, a minor change? Right. <laughs> but if it if it if it changes the whole purpose, then I'm like then I get a little upset. Yeah, so do sure. you? What did you think? <laughs> did Rachel do it or did she not do it? Uh, I think overall, after everything. Um, to be honest, all throughout the movie, I mean, yeah, it's not her point of view. Actually, you know, in the book, okay, it's his, it's Philip's point of view entirely. So we don't get to see any of her side of the story. And in the movie, you see she's just stirring tea, right? So actually, there's no, like, there's no actual evidence. It's, you know, like halfway through, he starts to imagine, you know, situations and scenarios. And then he starts to get obsessive and he goes crazy, basically. Mm -hmm. So... You know, there's no actual tangible evidence of the so-called the only thing, you know, the scene is the tea. I think the first time I read it, probably, I do, do you just like, do you, do you start reading and then you stop and then you really like analyze it or do you get to the end and then you really reflect afterwards? Yeah, that was me. I got to the end and kind of, Daphne kind of blindsided me like she always does. And I'm like, <laughs> well, wait, what is the truth? <laughs> I think like the first time I read it I think because yeah you really are like following his point of view but then there's a lot of yeah he has his faults for sure I don't know like I, I changed my mind after like the first time I think she did but then obviously you know I reflected and then once you start reflecting and then you see the movies and then you think about it and as you said like actually it's not really important whether she did or not because mm. it's just something up entirely but then if you really want to come down to like whether you want to know whether she did it or not i think she just got swept up in something mm. that you know she just went along with it i don't know do you think there's like a connection 
between them, like she, how she felt towards Philip and how serious she was. I, I thought that she, cause, cause we can't look at anything that Philip says. We have to look at mm -hmm. the characters who, the only ones who are reliable, which is like the, mm -hmm. the uncle godfather mm -hmm. figure and his daughter and the things that they say, like, oh, she's, spends mm. her money really extravagantly she's had like what three husbands or like lovers and they all die it's there's like negative yeah there's like duels and yeah. like these are the people that we trust because philip's yeah. just an idiot and he doesn't believe anything they say and also the thing that louis says in the church of like well no she's not gonna yeah. if she probably strung you along but she's not gonna marry you yeah. especially because she knows how to look out for herself and I felt like also, that. Yeah, Louise likes him as well. I mean, she's got her own agenda in a yeah, way. Yeah, except at that point, I'm not even sure anymore if she cares about that. Because at that point, he's, you know, gaslit her and treated her so horribly throughout the book. In the book, I didn't even feel like she mm. cared whether she got together with him. And by the end, she doesn't because she's like, nah, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like Rachel was so manipulative and getting everybody's attention in the in the town. I could see a situation where maybe she did poison Ambrose and there was something sketchy there, but then you, you could yeah, make the... Just... Sorry, go ahead. It's just, no, no, it's, just, it's hard, isn't it? It's one of those things that you can never quite decide on at the end, like after like so-called um, looking at all the so-called evidence right. and so, just right. comparing things and analyzing it and it's just because like the first time I read it I did believe she did it but that really is based on like you said like his you know what he went through like all the perspectives of the people around him so the book yeah it sets you up to believe that but then because it's so hard to show like points of view properly in movies mm -hmm. so it's more that she's more on an equal footing yeah so mm -hmm. yeah, it's just just hard isn't it because like apart from stirring tea and having bits and pieces and obviously what louise says and what other people say and it's all against her really um but you never actually see her do anything right so i just i was fascinated with this concept of her having to be loved you know i think that's why she's like oh my no my lawyer is not in love with me even though she knows he is you know, she has all these suitors. Yeah. I, I think she's yeah. just so compelled by how mm -hmm. unconditionally Philip is infatuated with her that yeah. maybe, you know, Ambrose caught on to her, but Philip never would. Because you can make the argument yeah. then if he's like in that coma later on, why wouldn't she just, that would be a perfect time to kill him. But I think she mm. doesn't because she's become dependent on like his adoration mm. because it's so intense since that was my theory like <laughs> so she, you're definitely you're like pro she definitely killed um killed his yeah but i don't she, that was my just, first reading of it like she not necessarily a poisoning philip but she's guilty of something so they're both guilty of something right yes i think that's that's it which i don't know if yeah. that's true and also by the end of the book i don't you know, I want Philip to die because he's so obnoxious, so I don't even care anymore. <laughs> that's, that's great, isn't it? When you're in the book, all the readers are just like, I don't care if he lives or dies. Just like, end the character already, end the book. Oh, he's just such an idiot. Like, there's oh, a piece yeah, at the, the end yeah. where he's looking through the letters and he keeps telling us, like, he's 
he was educated at a college or something and he took Greek and Latin and he's like, darn it, why couldn't I have taken, why couldn't they have taught me Italian? Because I can't read it, any of this. I can't understand anything. I'm like, okay, so you took Latin, but you can't understand a single word of this Italian? You can't figure out one word? I'm like, Philip, you're an idiot. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's more like, especially in the film, it's like more visual, isn't it? <laughs> just the scene at the end where he was just like flinging things around and trying like frantically and Louise is there and just. Yeah. Yes. And then this in the movie, I thought that, oh, now he's she really gets mm. that he's showing his mm. true nature and they wouldn't get together. That's why that was another thing that why I was so surprised that they did get married at the end. Mm. Because I, I just saw Louise as yeah. very highly intelligent and intuitive. And she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't endanger herself like that. I also felt that the movie didn't make it very clear that he basically mm -hmm. sends her, like, he kills her. Mm. I liked the cliff. Oh, yeah. oh, I liked yeah. the imagery yeah. of it, but it wasn't completely clear that, no, he sends her off to this, like, garden where she, where she dies. Mm. Yeah, it's like the movie is different from the book, isn't it? Because the, yeah, the book is the garden scene, like the floorboards. Right. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And then the movie is the cliff. But then, yeah, like you said, like it's not so clear in the movie. Because you're going to have to refresh my memory here. <laughs> about like, because the cliff scene, like actually what happens? Like she's riding towards the, the edge of the cliff. And he but knows then, that the path there it could be mm, kind of yeah. sketchy, but it, it's the movie didn't make him an outright killer, which I was kind of yeah. missing that. And also in the black and white version and mm. this new one, you don't mm. have that scene where she, her last words is her looking at him and saying Ambrose and thinking that he's Ambrose, which mm. is something I really enjoyed, but I, I didn't mind that change too much. Just thought it was interesting that they didn't keep it in. Even like going out riding, was this normal for her? Like to just, yes, I think yeah. it was normal for her, right? Yeah. yeah, to go out riding. So it's just another day, and she was just saying goodbye. Yeah, so she, yeah, so she didn't catch on at all. What would no. happen? Mm -mm. Uh, it's just, I think they just, um, you know, got into something like they kind of got themselves in this situation, like a series of events that they couldn't stop, and like obviously he had his own reasons for doing things, and she had her own, but. We never really explore it fully. Mm -hmm. So I guess whether you decided they're both guilty of like murder. Yeah, and you'd expect like something to happen to Philip. But, but then he is the main character, so. <laughs> and the point is that there aren't any consequences for him. You know, that he can treat women like this. And I think the first and last line of the book is, you know, they used to hang men over here. Isn't that the, f the first line? And then it's like they don't anymore. Like he gets away with it. Because he can. Yeah. And also what I find so interesting is when you see these things on the screen, like him choking her, it's so violent. Mm, yeah, and you think, yeah. oh, was it that violent in the book? And then I went back to the spot in the book. And mm. his description of him holding her neck is so softened when you're reading it. Because you're like, oh, yeah, it's from his perspective. And he doesn't think he's doing mm -hmm. anything wrong. When really it's an incredibly violent and terrifying act mm -hmm. for him to have done yeah. to her. It's definitely, yeah, the book and the, the movie. I guess that's the thing. Because, like, if it is really entirely his point of view, even the book is, like, unless you really delve deeper, like, if you just read at surface level, 
for you would be straightforward that you know she um you know she deserved it at the end or mm. because like you said it softened in the book right mm-hmm. did you like rachel weiss as as rachel um <laughs> because actually i i quite like her as an actress in general and then i was thinking you know the movie like depending on the actors and actresses that you choose are you going to be biased anyway because you like you know you like an actor or actress mm. then it's gonna like help you along to try and I think yeah she I mean she played it well like the kind of like aloof kind of clock like foreboding figure because you know the poster as well um, yeah it's a bit like a horror isn't it like yeah. woman, woman right? just like the veil the black veil and just the way like she she is it's kind of like impenetrable you don't really know what she's thinking it's impenetrable oh I love that yeah you're right mm-hmm. yeah and and I feel like every every scene she was in she just had command you know of the mm, yeah, you could yeah. feel her influence and her presence through her yeah. acting i i thought she was phenomenal like the best choice she could have yeah. made that's good what do you think about um philip is it sam clafton sam clafton yeah i thought i thought he was all right yeah. I, i thought they did so many really cool interesting things yeah. in this updated version that they didn't do in the old one of yeah. really showing of really immersing us in this world of like he's a bachelor you know he's he's blowing on his tea he's wiping his mouth with his sleeve the house is dirty there's a really interesting scene when he rides away from louise's house and there's there's a patch of grass in between and then a path all around leading to the house and he rides mm-hmm. straight through the manicured grass And I was like, oh, that's such a perfect little detail. Like, he's just such a douche. Like, he doesn't, it doesn't even register, you know? <laughs> really? Yeah, like, do you think it's, it comes out stronger in the movie compared yeah, to the book? I guess, yeah. yeah. Like you said, everything's softened in the book, right? So actually, everything doesn't seem so bad, but then there's an the underlying message behind it. But the movie really is, like, you know, his anger and, you know, just the way he is, it's just um, more prominent in the film. Yeah, yeah. Just, and it is in the book, but you have to, like, mm. she's tricky. You have to look for it. Like, it's, yeah, you really it's there. And just all these little behavioral habits and aspects to his character okay. that I thought they did so well in this in this new mm. movie. All, I think I all the actors were... <laughs> I, have I have to watch all of them again. <laughs> yeah. At, just to compare now. And also Ian Glenn, he's just, who plays the, the mm. uncle... Everything he's mm-hmm. in, he's always so like regal and such a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's Ian Glenn. <laughs> yeah, just brought, like movies should yeah should bring the the essence, obviously the essence of the book, which it did, but also like really bring it to life because it's it's always a tricky one, isn't it? Like you can't like movies can't really showcase like the best of the book, and so most people would just say, oh no, you know, like the books are better, the originals are better. It's tricky to make a good movie adaptation, basically. Yeah, and I think it's also tricky when it's all f- like first-person narration. Most Daphne yeah, du Maurier movies yeah. use um, voiceover to explain mm-hmm. to you what's mm-hmm. happening because mm-hmm. it's so hard to like understand what's going on mm-hmm. in these people's minds on a on a film. I think it's such a tall order. Yeah, that that is hard. It's just like the book thief, actually, because um, I mean, I love the book. Oh, I'm not um, familiar with it at um, all, honestly. Tell me about it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really great. It's just like from a creative writing point of view, just like the the way, like the metaphors and just the imagery he uses, it's just kind of different and unique. But then the book is actually narrated by death. Yeah, but then obviously if you 
kind of trans- translated to a movie. It doesn't work that way. You've, mm. got, you've got the voiceover, but then the actual character of Death, who's basically the whole book actually isn't in the movie. So it's just like a standard kind of historical war movie. I mean, it's nice, like a family film, but it's, it really doesn't show any of like the so-called, I say, the positives of the book. And it really is based on like the narration and then the perspective. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like these really cool little tricks and mm. and creative aspects mm. that you utilize as a writer don't can't always yeah, make it to the screen. Of things, yeah, especially that like you can put it on screen, but it's just doesn't have that magic that you can imagine. You know, um, it's just right there on the screen. However, you know, the director or the actors or actresses kind of um, it's their perspective and their take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though I thought um, for this new my cousin Rachel. The locations were so on point, like all the greens yeah. and the environments and the house. And you, you said that you're familiar with one of the houses, correct? <laughs> Actually, that's it's so strange. Like watching it, I was like, okay, which scene is this? So basically, me and my friend, we booked a B and B in actually one of the locations. I think it's. Do you remember the scene where she's um, in the room and he's he sees her for the first time, where she's got yes. the cup yes oh such a great scene i think yeah. it could be one of those rooms it's definitely corridor rooms not necessarily a big building because you know like in movies they kind of slot things together right they take scenes from different oh. different places different rooms it was one of those I, I was a little disappointed it wasn't the actual you know what i mean like the actual um the place the b&b the house so they used parts but yeah like it was just oh interesting just yeah that's still like, really just, cool <laughs> And also, do you, did you do you remember the trailer? Did you see the trailer first, or you just um, went straight into the? I don't know if I did. Because there's a song like it's called "Wicked Game." I can't remember who the singer is, but that really like makes you feel everything. Just based like I was just it was based on that song and the trailer. I was like, well, I would have seen it anyway. And not a lot of there wasn't a lot of dialogue, but it was mainly the music. It's just so dramatic. It's actually Wicked Game. Is um, it was like um, um, an original. An original was quite old, and it was a male singer. Oh. And it has like it's like country, almost country. But then like, was it a reprise? The remake of the song was just really dramatic. Like a female singer. Yeah. I'm gonna check all this out. You're giving <laughs> me all the behind the scenes here. I love it. <laughs> Just like we all have to watch it again, we're like paying attention to all of these details. So another thing that I had written down here, where I thought they did such mm-hmm. a great job presenting this movie from mm-hmm. Philip's point of view, was the scene mm-hmm. where Rachel speaks Italian with with the lawyer, mm-hmm. and you feel you immediately feel like secluded from the scene, even mm-hmm. though all they're doing is speaking a foreign uh-huh. language, but you, you're just like Philip yeah. suddenly and you're like, why are they speaking Italian? Like, <laughs> he's so uncultured. Oh, it drives me mad. <laughs> Which is yeah, interesting. Like she can't even have any friends mm. or outside mm. things past this like Cornish environment, really, that he's comfortable with. Sure. And it's just, of course, like everyone around, like her coming to, um, you know, his village and things like that, they're, they're going to be suspicious of her um, as, like, a newcomer as well. Yeah, except she wins them all over right away. <laughs> Apart from Louise. <laughs> yeah. Which, that is also interesting, how they keep referring to her jokingly as this witch. Mm-hmm. And if you, and I think it's completely conscious of Daphne 
drawing a connection between how women have been labeled and treated in the past and how it's kind of happening again to Rachel. Mm. Did you find oh. it, um, when reading the book, did you find it disorienting mm. to kind of not know what time period this was taking place exactly? Um, <laughs> just, it, it sounds bad, but I just went along with it. Yeah. You know, I didn't actually wonder too much. I was like, okay, it's like, you know, when you read fantasies and things like that, you really just go with it and you're like, okay, you know, this could happen, fine, it doesn't matter, like, where it is, okay, like, you just accept it. No, I, I agree with you because you really, like, you want to know, like, oh, where am I? What's happening? What's the social, cultural things happening at the time? Mm -hmm. And definitely, You know, just you're going to have the same questions for the other novels. <laughs> right. House on the Strand and the oh. others. You just... Oh, I'll have to read that one next then because yeah, I find that... that one, you really wonder, yeah, about, like, just you know the things going on around like actually yeah because it's like a little pocket isn't it that they're living in yeah and and that's her that's her signature those really like insular high poxic environments that just crush you but you're so happy to be there because it's definitely creating <laughs> this little world for you and it is like she obviously knows when she wants this to take place it's vaguely victorian but she like refuses to tell you she definitely has a style. Yeah. So, so can you hear the background sound of fireworks going off? Oh, <laughs> it's fireworks? It's fireworks. Oh, that's so great. I'm going to keep this in. I love it. My, you actually hear it? You uh, hear them? Yeah, a little bit. Our break room is um, all decked out in like Chinese lanterns and... No, no. I love it, but that's the most of Lunar New Year I'm gonna get over here in Southern California. <laughs> My little break room at work. Been decorated, you know. I haven't even had like the meals, the Chinese, you know, like the. I'm going over to my aunt's tomorrow for lunch, but yeah. Did you know, like on the first day of um, Chinese New Year, you shouldn't eat meat. Oh it's, no, like, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> When I was younger, I was just like, what now? You tell me, like, you know, like halfway through eating a piece of meat. <laughs> it's it's supposed to be bad luck. It's considered bad luck. But, you know, like you just don't remember sometimes unless like you really have a family gathering and actually all the food is like obviously like corn or it appears to be meat, but actually it's not. It's mm. all vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What did you think about them leaving out Rachel's whole gardening aspect in the movie um i think they i don't just... actually remember no <laughs> oh i think there just wasn't time for it they're just like i don't want to include that scene <laughs> well her that's part of so much of her mm. personality is this connection with nature and in the book mm. i felt almost like because daphne de Moria uses mm. nature all the time in her books as symbolism mm -hmm. and i almost felt like she was this foreign aspect that was like taking hold in the soil and like mm. she was doing that through the gardening, if that makes sense. Mm. I love I loved it in the book, but I understand why they can't they can't put everything in <laughs> you know a movie. It's just yeah, like the mindset, like the perspective. That just some things that just go on that they just can't. Sometimes they can't show it in the best light. So, yeah, though yeah. I, though I thought that this movie did a pretty decent job of really mm. understanding what the what the book even was. Mm what the purpose was 
And I tried to watch the 80s version of this and I couldn't do it. I 80s period drama is is a dark, dark time. <laughs> Every time I watch something from the 80s, it's always terrible. <laughs> yeah, and I feel yeah. like all other genres are fine from the 80s. Like I can watch a movie from the 80s and be fine with it. But every time it's a period drama, it's just horrible. It's I don't know if I... Well, period dramas are still in the 80s. Any other famous ones? I'm trying to think if I've seen any. Um, so the what? Jamaica Inn version from the 80s is horrid. The uh, Sense and Sensibility mm, from the yeah. 80s is, again, terrible. Oh, give, that, give that a miss then. <laughs> <laughs> I did, however, find out that the director for this yeah. 2017 movie, Roger mm. Michel, I think, he also directed the 1995 Persuasion, which is mm. one of my favorite Jane Austen um movie yeah. versions that is a really mm. good one and it makes sense that mm. he developed as a director it's like cool to see the changes yeah. and see how much he's learned with mm. this new movie persuasion i wonder if i've seen that i i might have actually yeah it's, it's pretty old not a lot of people have really yeah. seen that one i thought that in this movie to create this really kind of gothic and stifling environment that daphne always kind of brings to her books they did a really good job just using set and costumes. Like I, I have never. Oh yeah, for it, sure. Yeah, the tea scene. The, I mean, the first scene when she was sitting down and he was coming and seeing her for the first time. Yeah. Right? And then the candles and the chandeliers and the. I mean, I love all of that. <laughs> yes, that scene where she walks it's around so and she lights up all the candles. Like she's lighting up yeah. the room. Like she's bringing life into this. I thought that was so well done. That was such a great idea. Yeah. And it almost replaces that aspect of her gardening with the mm. like with the costumes. Yeah. Like the textures were so rich mm. and really reflected the characters. For example, when Philip was in Italy, everybody's wearing kind of like yeah. light colors and lighter fabrics and Philip still wears this like flannel vest. <laughs> Because he's like, he's still him, you know, like he looks so out of place there. And I love that they conveyed that with just the, just the costumes. Yeah. And also that blue dress that Rachel wears right at the mm -hmm. end. It's it's such a tonal shift and it's so intentional because it's the it's dress like she the does in. Colors. It reminds me of um, Far From the Madding Crowd. Have you seen the <gasps> movie? Oh my God, that new movie is like my favorite thing ever. I hate oh the book God, so much, yeah. but I love that movie. <laughs> It was a fangirl moment. <laughs> oh my god, the colors of the her dresses, you know, like just the how yes, vivid they, like yes. her dresses. Christ, yeah. It's the same kind of blue too. Now that I think about it, and you're so right. That's such a good comparison. <laughs> I was like, we could just talk about about that film. <laughs> oh, far from the mad and crowd. Now that would be. Ah, uh, it's so gorgeous. <laughs> Have you read the book? Oh uh, yeah. God, I hate it so much. Do you know what though? It's like it's so weird. I actually prefer Tess of the D'Urbervilles. Like, yeah, I, I refuse to read time. any more Hardy. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's like I read it such a long time ago, and like I, I'd be so interested to see. As you know, you refuse, so you're not going to delve into that world. <laughs> but then um, my dad likes Far from the Madding Crowd, and I prefer Tess. But then the first time, like it's weird. Like the more, like I read Far from the Madding Crowd probably again. And then I saw the movie and it just changes, like, you know, when you're younger, it just changes your, like, when you're older and you read it. Mm -hmm. Like, that was definitely one where I just, because, um, like, it's actually all about relationships. 
Hmm. Basically, is just one girl and three guys. You just change your perspective when you read it. But do you think is it the language you didn't get along with, or no? I just think the- Hardy is a terrible writer. I don't oh. need to know about this barn for five pages. I think it's soap opera writing. Oh, fine, like, yeah. oh, the husband who you thought was dead joins the circus. <laughs> you bet, didn't see that coming. Yeah, no, I didn't because it's stupid. Because this is like a telenovela right now. Like. Movie. <laughs> you like the movie? No, the movie is good though. But um, yeah, I just don't like his writing. <laughs> then, then the movie is perfect, isn't it? Because it skips all of that stuff. Yep. Language <laughs> instructions. But yeah, that that was a good film. Mm, the colors, use of colors, and the and the like of the environment as well. Nature. Yeah. yeah, I'm just looking over my notes of what else I had here for my cousin Rachel. I think. I thought it would is interesting how they were trying to obviously when you have to make a movie you have to make it coherent and kind of determine what time period you do want to set it in. Yeah. And I felt like the the skirts weren't long and like wide enough to be mid 50s, but then they didn't have the flared sleeves. So I felt like it was somewhere between yeah. like the change between the 40s and the 50s. And, yeah. and just Rachel's starkness and her kind of tighter sleeves and just how they made such a difference between her and also the rest of Cornwall and, you know, her shawl and the fabrics that she wears are mm-hmm. so rich. I I just love that. I just, and I think it's it's so yeah. rare also in period drama to see newer dresses. I think we see a lot of the same mm-hmm. dresses reused over and over and rented out again. So I thought it was just incredible to see all these really cool new outfits yeah. and how that enhanced the environment and how much money obviously they spent on this and yeah, sure. it, it works. It's like it reminds me of Downton Abbey. I yeah. Downton. Yes, I am crazy about <laughs> Downton Abbey. Do you have you seen the film? I the loved the film. Movie. I thought it was one of the best films <laughs> like of last year. <laughs> It's like, oh man, just all the feelings like when I started watching like how how old like how long ago was the first Oh my season? gosh, yeah. I just so, rewatched all of them. <laughs> just the same feeling, you know, and just, oh, <laughs> so great. But then, of course, they put so much, like, money and effort into, like, the costumes, and they have whole teams of... Because, um... actually, I went to, two summers ago, I went to Highclere House. Uh, <gasps> you Castle. did? Is it... <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, I loved it. <laughs> I, was, I had a fangirl moment. <laughs> that is so great. But, yeah, it just just being there but then the interesting thing is the rooms itself because actually it's owned by a family um mm-hmm. it's not national trust or national heritage or anything like mm-hmm. that um the rooms you see in the you imagine it's filmed inside right like all the rooms for example mary's room etc uh, i mean i know inside. i know they're not but no, right, no. <laughs> i was like what because <laughs> it's all in the studio isn't it but i mean um, you never see a a, a long shot from them yeah coming out of the yeah. room into into the hallway or anything it's always like it always feels very separate but it's good that they're getting tourism you know based on i know it's so hard to keep up yeah. these big houses and at least people are coming to visit them it's a lot smaller in, in real life but the outside everything's the same on the outside oh interesting the gardens and everything in the lanes now that that really is the same it's just the rooms and the yeah those things are different Anything else that you had on my cousin Rachel? Kind of went through everything oh, that I had. You've kind of gone off track and back on track and around. That's and okay. 
Yeah, I just keep finding like similarities or like side topics with other things. Like my brain always does that. Like it just links straight to another movie or like uh, another book. Yeah. That's, um, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. And also um, <laughs> I got a quote down from the book because um, she keeps saying, oh, I'm not going to trespass on your hospitality as well. Like she keeps saying that when he gets too close, she does try to like push him away or like, oh, OK, like I, I can leave you know, whenever you want me to leave, but... Yeah, but she obviously also doesn't leave, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so she always says that, but... What do you, actually, what do you think about their their sexual encounter? They had two in the movie, and there was only that one time in the book. Oh, right, yes. The, mo the movie. Now, I, I don't remember two times. <laughs> there was the one where he climbs up into her room, and then there's... He waits for her the next day, trying to have mm. a picnic, but she's gone out. And then when she comes back, he again has oh. sex with her in the like flower field. Yeah, and then is the other one where she he's he's in bed, and then she comes and kisses him with a candle. Um, that not, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing? She no, she's in her own bed, and she calls him back, and she gives him a kiss very early on, and sends him away. Okay, now, okay, yeah, I got it in my head. Okay, I just thought it was so interesting how on that second sex scene, it was very firmly like, oh, Rachel is not in love with him, and he's obviously misunderstood, and like the movie was to me very like yeah. on Rachel's side, which I which I liked and I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, because like you just imagine like from her point of view, you know, if a guy is just really obsessed with you, and because like he he spends his money on her to buy her lavish gifts, right? Which and, yeah, which interestingly like, she all yeah. gives back to the bank too. <laughs> so it's just like he's putting all this in like on her, and and like she doesn't say no. I mean, she does say she tries to, but then she goes along with it. Like she um like even just kissing him and yeah, so. You think like if it's a means to an end, like she has no emotional attachment at all by the end of it. But yeah, then, but then she stays there, and she and we have that letter yeah. from the lawyer who's like, "Why do you care yeah. so much about mm. this dude?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to know." <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, we could take him, right? Isn't that what she says? Like, right. just go yeah, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And she just come with us." So it's like I think she got herself in this situation, which you couldn't really get away from, and she can't really decide if she likes him or. You know, like, she does a bit, but we still don't know, really. Well, no, and not in a romantic way. And not It's obvious yeah. that they're not on yeah, the same so level in any way, yeah. intellectually. So then she would still keep him around or, like, take mm -hmm. him with her. Well, it's also interesting that once she gets the allowance, it's obviously mm. not enough. She doesn't leave. She overdraws her account mm -hmm. immediately. And then she eventually gets the whole house because he, he's such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that oh my god that that in itself is so frustrating oh. you know when you're just reading it and you're like dude <laughs> and it's all from his perspective and he's like why are people doubting me on this I don't understand I'm like oh no Philip no <laughs> uh, <sighs> that's that's the thing I mean they all have problems <laughs> Yeah, like she, I mean, yeah, her spending problems just in general, whether, you know, she killed his uncle. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, she's guilty of something. Yeah, she's, know, right? yeah, she's not this angel that, that he sees, definitely. 
you know, whether you think she deserves to die. I mean, <laughs> no one deserves to, that to happen to them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to analyze, though. Yeah. Discuss. I think, I think that's it. That's all we had. <laughs> um, yeah. Beautiful. So thank you so much for being oh, on. Thanks for having me. Do you want to tell the people anywhere that they can find you or follow you anywhere? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, my Instagram account is um, Kate Talks About Books. Mainly just post um, book photos, classics. <laughs> I just like taking photos of books. Um, and then I also have a blog, which is also the same, which is um, actually it's Kate W J White at WordPress.com. I used to like post poetry and book reviews, actually, but then I've um, given that a bit of break. <laughs> but I think I should get back into it. Perfect. Now I'll link all that in the description box <laughs> as well, so people can find you. Hey folks, this is Tabby again. I had such fun having Kate on to talk about my cousin, Rachel. If you want us to talk about anything or you're another podcast and want to do a crossover, hit us up, modernlifepod at gmail.com or find us at modernlifepod on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Blessed Rachel, only you can know now this burden that I must carry to the end of my days. This question that I must ask myself again and again, every day of my life, never to be answered now until we meet at last in purgatory. Were you innocent or were you guilty? Rachel, my torment, my blessed, blessed torment.